0: What is up, sick man? We are back at week 13. Unlucky for some, but I think pretty lucky for us. March Madness is here. So, if you're tired of the NBA grind and you want games to watch at reasonable times, you have no excuse because the college games start at like four and they go until midnight and then they end. So, get on that, fill out your brackets. But this is not a college basketball podcast, this is an NBA podcast. And we are tackling, I think, all of ours, our favourite two divisions to talk about. We've got some big hitters, uh, the Atlantic and Pacific. So let's start, where well, we always start when we talk about these two divisions in the Atlantic. And we are going to talk about the, the, the biggest trending team so far. They've made a lot of changes uh, to the league. And I think a, a lot of teams are panicking. And that is the Brooklyn Nets. We're going to head to our correspondent, Jordan, who's, who's doing a wildy right now. He's, he's on a black screen Um Hi. how you coping can, can we can we hear you john are you there
1: uh yes you can hear me i <laughs> I, I am here you know it's all, all good and the only reason why we are blacked out because we we're blacking out for brooklyn nets that's all it is <laughs> celebrations baby that's all it is taking it on <laughs> Yeah, so this week, uh, Brooklyn Nets have gone 2 0. So happy about that. You know me, I love it when uh, we just go for straight wins here at House at 03. Um, last game against the Pistons uh, was a tight one, uh, ending uh, 100 to a 95 uh, to the Nets. And congratulations to Harden on that one because he surpassed uh, Mary the Legend on the all time scoring list. Uh, if you go back and watch the interview on that one, he seen, <laughs> he, he didn't even realise that he won it. He, he had to double-check. Um, but, yeah, so that was a really good performance with, from him. He ended with uh, 24 points, 10 assists and 10 rebounds in that. So, a uh, very good performance, which we are happy to be in. They also played... Uh, one against the Celtics, ended the score 121 to 109. Uh, Irving, with the massive performance out there, ending with 40 points in that game as well. Um, so currently, with uh, those results, they sit second uh, out in the East. Um, but overall in power rankings, uh, they're number one. So that is great. Uh, again, I think they're showing out on that, performance in um on the offensive side of the floor um again the defense is still um not where they want it to be but they've shown some improvements um so they're now 16th in overall defensive rating which as long as we're going up like we're happy with that and i think um this two and zero is going on a good stretch, especially considering that um, Kevin Durant, that's uh, best, one of their best players, is out. So yeah, league, rest of the league better watch out.
0: Really impressive from the from those two wins is that Harden actually shot one of eight to three, uh, one of eight from free. And in the Pistons game, him and Kyrie combined from zero of twelve from three. So they're still able to win those games even when they're shooting poorly think that's a massive sign of trouble for the league you talk about big time players since we last spoke george the nets have acquired blake griffin yes he's a man who hasn't dunked in two years which is crazy <laughs> but he's still he, he can't be a serviceable player to this team so george i want to ask you what does he bring to this team can you give me a grade a grade rating of of what this acquisition is
1: I'm not sure if I was alone with this, but I, I felt like I was getting a bit too overhyped in terms of thinking, yeah, Lob City, we're bringing, bringing it all the way back to Brooklyn. Like, it's going to be great. It's going to be killer. Um, But I think right now, um, with that acquisition, it poses some question marks instead of like an absolute certainty. Um. Just, I feel like this is kind of a similar situation to where Melo was, where he was going around the teams, and um, Griffin's kind of in that situation where he's trying to find out how he can gel within the team because he's not from like, as Wildy's mentioned before, uh, he you still want him to be like that great player, but with things like such as the injuries and stuff and him missing a couple of steps he's not the player which he once was so it's just watching to see how he adjusts to that so with that with the Brooklyn Nets I think um, it'll be beneficial to for him uh, generally because I think with that in that Pistons role he had to take on a lot of the burdens and Um, teams would focus on him but now that he's with the Nets um, teams can't really afford that luxury especially with all the other um, big names out there on the roster now having said that the question as you mentioned before is like how can the Nets capitalize from that which is the massive question which I'm seeing from here Um, because as we mentioned like with the missing step and how he involves unlike other situations I think he will gel really well but it's just a matter of how much he can contribute and how soon he can get into that overall um so if I was gonna grade this acquisition um I will probably give it a C
0: interesting okay so we're just we're just about passing really
1: yeah
0: i think the main thing for blake is knowing that he's the fourth best player on the team Mm -hmm. Uh, he doesn't need to come in and do too much he can he can he can average you know just over double digits uh let's just say like 10 and five um and just be serviceable because that could just add another dynamic to the team and they, he, like you said, their defenses have improved. It's it's him putting that ego aside, uh, like like Harden's done really well. We'd have to give credit. You know, he bailed his way out of Houston. He's a different guy on the Nets, and they're and they're and they're playing really well.
1: Um, I I do have to point out on that, uh, Bray's kind of looking like the what? anti Winston Churchill, going, oh no no no. So... <laughs> 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 He's I just want to find out what's your viewpoints on there man he's not the fourth best player he is
2: mm. one Bruh. two three four five six he's like the eighth best player on that team
0: what name oh, that is super name them name them
1: yeah eight is David a bit
2: Ryan, strong but Harden, Kyrie Irving DeAndre Jordan, no, Jordan no. i DeAndre Jeffrey. I have all of those players above you're
0: joking me you're, at, you're, you're a joke, right this, this is why we're you're bottom. This is why you're bottom. We're moving on. <laughs> that, is, uh, that is ludicrous. This is why you're bottom. <laughs> <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding. Um, moving from L's to more L's. Let's go to a team who's on a five-game losing streak. Uh, doors, door's pretty open. Might want to open that door like Shilambir because uh, the Toronto <laughs> Raptors, the Tampa Bay... Not looking too good. Talk to me about um six, six, six.
3: Yeah, there's it's not a draft that is very much open this door right now, despite the fact that it is shut behind me. Um the Raptors, yeah, they've lost their last five, um, slumped now to 17 and twenty-two overall. They're actually now even out of the playing spots in the east. Um, in terms of their defeats of late, they've not been against the strongest teams. Um, so they lost by one point to the Hawks 121 to 120 um, they're actually up 10 points going into the final <laughs> quarter in that game and they lost on a buzzer beater I can see them in <laughs> wildly beaming in so the corner no. there so uh, no. it, a, a buzzer beater by I'm sorry I just left it
1: It's oh, it a three oh, point
3: three pointer buzzer beater by for the Atlanta Hawks oh it wasn't it wasn't true. I mean, it was Tony Snell <laughs> <just from> <laughs> Yeah, but assist from Trey Young. if you actually watch the assist from Trey Young, he's he's going to like going for a layup to tie the game, and then he obviously gets double teamed, and then he stops, sees Snell in the corner open, and then he goes to throw it, and then he hesitates and thinks, "Ah, oh, fuck it," and he does it anyway. He hesitates; he doesn't even <laughs> go to pass it instantly. That's the thing. Calculating, calculated risk. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't even confident he was going to make the shot, that's how much of a fluke it was so yeah, the Raptors threw that game away, um, and then they lost 114-104 to the Hornets, in which the Hornets just were better from shooting, they shot better um, from the field, they were 49% versus the Raptors at 39%, and then even from three-pointer, the Raptors only shot 33% from 3 point, whereas Hornets 43%, and that 114 to 104 loss, it could have been a lot worse. They were down 25 points going into the final quarter. So um yeah, don't don't believe this final scoreline when you look at the result from that. And then last night lost against the Chicago Bulls, 118 to 95. Um yeah, or in which the Bulls got 60 rebounds to the Raptors 37. So yeah, pretty dominated there. Although, shout out Norman Powell, who's been playing well of late. How, how are you not shouting out big boy Boucher? Yeah, Boucher's has playing, He's playing great. Yeah, Boucher's been playing well as well. As well as well, that makes no sense. Um, Boucher's <laughs> been playing well too, but yeah, they've, what's been happening with the Raptors in this slump is uh, the last five games they've missed Ananobi and Van Vliet and the last six, Siakam, all from COVID protocols. And... Van Vliet and Siakam both averaged twenty points per game. Adenobi's fourteen points per game. It's the three three of their main three of their five starters that have just gone from the team. So, it's completely understandable. And even from a defensive aspect as well. And um, the last five games, they've conceded one hundred twenty three points per game. Only the Wizards worse with one hundred twenty four.
0: Yeah, you're talking about they're missing some big uh, key names. They Toronto are actually one of seven in uh, the back-to-back outings, the second, the second game, which is tough. Mm. So, Matt, do you think it's because of what happened in the bubble? They obviously went seven games with Celtics. Do you think it's them playing in Tampa Bay? Or do you think it's just the whole sped-up schedule that's playing a toll on this team, which is projected to actually go quite far and is a dangerous team?
3: Uh, yeah, I think it's all of the things that you said, really. It's, it's like the perfect storm, really, for the Raptors. I think with the whole playing in Tampa at the start of the season, that had a massive impact on them, and they started to settle and take out these last five games. They've actually been playing quite well in Tampa of late. And then even on the road too, They've I think they've, they've got some good results on the road as well. Um, that whole back-to-back thing is a bit of a concern. And especially with the likes to say Kyle Lowry's obviously aging now so he's probably not going to be able to play as many games and get as many minutes as usual and where obviously I think he's played I think he's been playing at 38 39 minutes a game for these last five matches where they've been missing their other key starters. So I think it's I think it's all of those things that you said really. But I think they're the type of team the Raptors where they can lose five on the bounce but they can easily go and win six or seven. So it's not too much of a concern. The main thing that I'm just a bit pissed off about is that there's five teams in the East who are not in a play-in spot, and three of them are mine.
0: So I have drafted terribly from the East. You're looking like Bray from the East. Yeah, Bray, Bray, Yeah, Bray in, the, Bray in the West. Yeah. yeah. so I was looking.
4: So he's the Bray
0: of the East. Bray of the East, yeah. <laughs> King of the East! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's let's head to that man right now, uh, Silbury, Celtics. Well, not me right now. No, one and one this week. Uh, they're twenty and eighteen overall. Last time, I said that Danny Ainge would have made a move, and he still hasn't made a move. Um, that's heating up. But talk to me about the Celtics this week or the past three weeks that we haven't spoken about. What's what's happening in Boston?
2: Yeah, you're very right. The rumors are definitely heating up. Um, so I think I. How long have we got left to the trade deadline? I think we've got just over a March week.
0: March 20, uh, 24th.
2: Yeah, so 30. we we've got we, we, just over a week, and some I think something is going to happen. But to go on to how they've been playing, they're six and four in their last ten. Importantly, they are um, five and one in their last six. So they're on a bit of a tear at the moment. Um, they had some really big wins against the Pacers. They absolutely stole a game against the Wizards a couple of weeks ago. Um, I don't know if anyone remembers it. They were like, they were they they managed to steal the ball off Bradley Beal on an inbounds and then score to win. It was just like an insane, insane finish. Um, yeah. It was a couple of weeks Matt ago. I talked about it last week. <laughs> yeah, like obviously you think about them beating the Pacers. They beat the um, the uh, Wizards. They also beat the Clippers and then the Raptors as well. So that's three games against people in their conference who are all in the same race, which is just massive. Um, and then they lost to the Nets as George mentioned. And then um, the most recent one, they just waxed the Rockets, but it's the Rockets. So, you know, you don't really take too much from that. I think the most important thing um, is the Nets game, because for them, that's a potential playoff matchup at some point. If they're as successful as they hope to be they hope to meet a team like the nets or the Sixers or the bucks so you have to be looking at that game and going okay where are we at now they they actually were up in the first quarter they held the nets the 23 points in the first um as you mentioned the kind of shooting woes started um then the nets kind of weren't shooting so badly and uh, you know Kyrie it's already been mentioned yeah, 40 points um, so it was, it was quite a back and forth game, Kyle closed out two big threes um, to get the lead, at, to, to get the lead at 10 uh, there and thereabouts in the fourth quarter. And they just couldn't, they couldn't do it. They got edged out on rebounds and second chance points. And that's the reason they have someone like Tristan Thompson. And obviously he's not, not making the difference, um, which is a shame. Um, they are definitely in the ballpark. Like it wasn't a complete blowout. They can definitely win that game. They've got the talent in um, Brown and Tatum. Importantly, Smart was back as well, which is massive. Obviously, it's not ideal because Kyrie scored 40 and Smart's the kind of key matchup you look for there. But at the same time, like he does give them a lot on offense as well, which they have been sorely missing over the last few games. So that's really, really good for them. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm in a much better place with them now, I think especially getting Smart back um, than I was three weeks ago.
0: Yeah, Kyrie's always going to put up big numbers. It's all about containing, you know, and sort of extending how many shots they take. One player in that game that really struggled was Jaden Brown. He shot five of 23 overall. Um, I'm pretty sure he won't be having another game like that again. Let's head to my stat line of the week in the Rockets. Time Lord, okay? Robert Williams, 16 points, 13 rebounds, seven to seven from... From the field, one assist, one steal, and three blocks. How many minutes was he on the on the court? 19 minutes. That is my start line of the week. That is fantastic. And hopefully, he might be in the starting line. I but, mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold your breath. Well, this is what we're going to get to. So, the Celtics trade talks. They are heating up indeed. Shams reported that the Celtics are attempting to pursue after LaMarcus Aldridge one of Ed's teams, um, because he's agreed to part way with Spurs. And they're also hunting after Wildy's own John Collins. So, Bray, who are they more likely to get? Who would you want them to get? Who are they more likely to get?
2: I mean, look, for argument's sake, I'll weigh it up. Um, obviously, LMA gives you that scoring, but he is an absolute sieve on defence. <laughs> He cannot, like, he'll he'll be closing out people shooting threes and he'll still be in the key. He'll just put a hand up.
3: Like,
2: <laughs> it's, it's honestly, like, it's not good. Um, I don't, I, like, yes, he gives them the extra scoring that they do need. They need an extra scorer. But I don't think he fits their team. He's, he's a four, but he's slow. And no, it just doesn't really work. Um, so I think r- realistically they, if they want to pursue anyone like John Collins would do so much for that team. Um, because you could put, you play him at the four, play him at the five. Um, you know, the other way you could send back a piece like time Lord, if, if they were interested, um, you probably also look to maybe move one of the other bigs as well. Cause they've got a nice trio of Tice, um, Thompson and time Lord, and there's not enough minutes to go around. Like that's why like as you said, he in 19 minutes he put up that stat line. He's just not getting enough of them. His per 36 stats are amazing but there's not enough to go around um, and I think Thompson's been lackluster so I'd be looking to move move on from him. Um, Tyce is, when he's the kind of five and they just go with four wings, it's really good because he kind of, he plays out, he plays hard on defence and it fits their team really well. I think they're really a kind of, they need to be four out, one in at all times um, and John Collins definitely gives them Gives him the ability to do that, um, and uh, yeah, I, I have to say, I'd love to see more of him. I'd love to see more of him.
0: Let let Time Lord play more. That's all I'm going to say. Let the boy loose.
2: Right? Actually, do you know do you know why his name is Time Lord? It's bill Simmons, right? No, he was. He's just. he's turned. He basically
0: missed the practice by like a day or something. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he can't. He's never on time to anything.
0: Well, <laughs> listen. He was on time and on target in that game. Let me tell you that much.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, another team that went one and one this week was a team in in geographical sense quite uh, close, and one of the major cities, uh, the big markets, is New York uh, that continued to overachieve this season, uh, twenty and nineteen overall. that's us head to House Lasko. To
5: me yeah so i will get to the overachieving bit at the end because I'll, I'll, I'll start off on the good notes uh so last time we spoke about the knicks they were 15 and 16 so they're below 500 now they're above it they're 20 and 19 so they went five and three in the last eight games they're above 500 and one on one this week as alex said after the all-star break um, uh, which is good for the knicks although kenny smith doesn't seem to think so because you know this is the first time that they're good so i won't get into that after last week so uh during that eight game time period they had some big wins against the pacers and then obviously most recently against okc they did have some losses to the warriors spurs and the bucks uh which is a bit worrying And i explain why a little bit later so after the all-star break their first game was against the bucks uh nicks can, Knicks can the most amount of points they had all year 134 points and randall didn't perform to the best Um, he had 8.7 rebounds and six assists he had as chuck lights to call a triple single uh and then he, but however to be fair to him the next game against orlando the Knicks did step, step up a gear um Orlando against OKC, okay, sorry, they stepped up again. Uh Julius Randall had 26, 12, and 12. So he did have a triple-double thereafter. Uh, RJ also had 32 points and um quickly got 21 points off the bench, which is again really nice for him. And the reason why I mentioned them three is there was a report last week saying that everyone is available for trade apart from Randall and RJ. And I was a bit surprised that um, quickly wasn't included in that note as well. Maybe also uh, Robinson, obviously he's injured at the moment, but Mitchell Robinson also seems like a nice piece for the Knicks. So I think that's more saying that they believe that they're more bigging up RJ and Julius and saying, you know, if we didn't need to make a big splash, we don't mind sacrificing someone else to get a big player in. If that is, well, who would be available? Um, Buddy Bill wouldn't be because I mean, RJ is already there. I'm not sure who they would pick. If, if there does come a situation where they need to trade for a star player they feel like they have the assets that they could do and again our surprise quickly wasn't mentioned in the same bracket as um randall and because you can never see him have a very big role in an in elite team potentially
0: that's the problem with uh, a big market team especially like the knicks they're probably thinking about okay which superstars can we bring in because the fans are going to be back soon and they they've always wanted a big name so i mean i personally love quickly i would keep him um, and hold on to that asset. I think he's a really good player.
5: To be fair on that point as well, this was a report about a week or so ago. And my initial thoughts when I saw, oh shit, what about quickly? Uh, but then after then, after a couple of days, it was like th- it's not like they're actively trying to find a superstar, yeah. but teams are aware that if the Knicks do want to do business, they know they can do it with those sort of players. So it's good that they aren't just getting hyped over, oh shit, we need to make some moves now, we need to make some moves now. They're being a lot more what's the word? I don't know. They're being a lot, a lot more, yeah. and also not not being too, not aggressive, but um, just rash. They're being a lot more calm and cultured about the decisions that they are making, which is credit to the front office.
0: Let's talk about one of the players who is untouchable, and that's RJ Barrett. Averaging 21 points yes, per game on 58% shooting in his last seven. His three-point percentage has increased uh, from 32 to 36 compared to last season what have you seen out of him um really becoming the second second star player next to uh, Julius this season
5: yeah i always feel like judging someone on their first year of doing something or if it's just their rookie is very unfair because they have no idea what they're getting themselves into i always like to see how you do from a sophomore perspective rather than a rookie perspective and now that rj has had rj has had a year just sort of get get his feet on the nba and sort of know what the game's about and now that Julius has also stepped up as the number one option you feel that rj is much more comfortable in his role and you're talking about his free, uh, three uh three-point shooting since january he's 40 from three as well which is a, an extended period of time it's really good for him uh, especially in this year this is in the nba right now and of those threes actually so i saw another stat which was last year as a rookie rj had uh 18 of his threes were pull-ups which is a very high amount that's what two every five shots this year it's now down to six percent so he's taking a lot less pull-up threes which is again a much more efficient shot for him and he's taking a lot more mid-range shots as well which is becoming a lot more comfortable with now he's got sort of like a go-to mid-range game which is quite good and is now sort of a dying breed and something we mentioned i've mentioned before previously is an important asset because if everyone's guarding the paint and everyone's going that three-point line there's opportunities there in the mid-range to get some easy buckets and i think rj is making the most out of that which is very nice of the Knicks moving forward
0: yeah really happy for the Knicks. glad that they've turned it around can't wait for playoff basketball when all the fans back in msg let's close it out in this division with my my own philadelphia 76ers three in O this week public service announcement okay it's been a tough week for me okay because yeah. You know, as as you know, Joel Embiid, the cornerstone went down. Okay, so I just want to message out to Joel. Please be careful. I don't care about no MVP. You just got to make it to the playoffs. Okay, okay, that's don't all. Don't bowling. One. Don't go bowling. <laughs> don't do some weird stuff with your hair, like Andrew Bynum. Okay, you need to be there. Okay, we need you there. Don't. I don't care about the MVP. I know it's chirping, talking all that rubbish. It doesn't matter. Okay, I'm done. We're 3-0 this week, Wildy, Take it away with with Philly.
4: Absolutely, man. Uh five-game winning streak uh at the moment as well. Um they actually so they played the Bulls, Wizards, and San Antonio. Um you know, talk about them in that order, because best or last for that San Antonio game. Um they didn't have uh, Embiid in the Bulls game, um, but um, they came out, obviously got the win. Uh, the price is Dwight. He got uh, 18 <laughs> points and 12 rebounds. Um, seven guys they had in double-figure scoring as well. Um, and they would have had uh, would have had eight, but Danny Green only got nine points. Um, but hey, that's okay. They got the win, so that's what it's all about. Um, Wizards game, that is when we, yeah, we've had the uh, Joel Scare. Um, again, obviously, still came out with a win. Joel uh, still produced 23 points and seven rebounds in uh, in uh, two-and-a-half quarters play. Um, but Cork-Miles and Shake Milton, big time off the bench, both had 18 apiece uh, to maintain the lead. They had a 20-point lead when Embiid went down um, and, uh, you know, they ended up getting a win, which is fantastic. Um, big takeaway from those first two games before I move on to San Antonio. Um, is that you know the biggest thing about Philly um, over the past few years has always been about identity. They've had the talent, but it's like, you know, what are we? Because you know the whole the whole chemistry aspect has been a bit out of whack uh, with the style of players that they had. To see them, to see the way they're moving the ball at the moment, even when they don't have their two superstars, is so good. I mean, they are the way they're moving the ball is a testament to the coaching, Dot uh, Rivers, and it showing that. They're having not just an identity with their two star guys, which you've been waiting for. They got an identity from, you know, three from three through till twelve as well. Um, which is why they've been able to maintain the top spot in the East, even with the emergence of the Brooklyn Nets having the, the power team that they have. Um San Antonio. So that's this is uh this is the of the week. Me are talking about this prior to the pod and He believes that this is the best game that they've played all year. Um, I'm going to give you some stuff to to back that up. So, um, again, no Joe Embiid, but they did have Ben Simmons. Uh, They came out. Again, the passing was unbelievable. They, to the point where they had, so they, they won the game with 35 assists as a team kind of assists they were pulling out the bag was Dwight Howard at the top of the key dumping passes into dummy screens from people like Mike Scott. If that if I you know if you can whittle it down something like that, you know everybody's getting involved. Um uh, Ben ended up with nine um and as a team that uh, they five as I say and also two guys I want to mention are uh, really key in that game is uh, Seth and Danny. They were really shooting the ball well and uh, from watching other games I really felt like this was the first game where both those guys were shooting the ball with a real fuck you" mentality um, and just making everything. And they ended up um, finishing the game with 51% from three. Um, just an amazing win. Um, they were in control of it the, the whole time and brought it out.
0: That was such a great game to watch. Uh, we scored on 22 out of 23 possessions in the third and everything yeah. was moving. The ball was flowing. It Was really impressive to watch. Yes, the Spurs didn't have the Rosen, but we didn't have Embiid. So, like my boy Ultra said, sort of balances it out, but wildy more than balances it out. Yeah, but it's a
4: bigger loss than Damar. I mean, I, I you know, I, I'd say, hey, I'm a Damar De defender. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's great. We, you know, you saw that on the, uh, the all star talks. Um, but also, they handed the Spurs the, their worst loss in in franchise history from point differential you could argue their worst loss was in the finals with the ray allen shot obviously but in terms of regular season point differential 35
0: points that's uh yeah that's that's big time wildy come come with me into the front office right all right you're daryl Morey, okay you've seen brooklyn they've they've picked up blake griffin okay Mm -hmm. what are you going to do okay are you gonna make a move are you staying put with the current roster are you getting someone like Lowry, Terence Ross, Thad Young? Talk to me.
4: Absolutely. So I'm not absolutely, we're getting someone. You know. <laughs> so what I'm saying is I've just harped on a little bit about how good <clears throat> the chemistry is between these guys and everything they've been doing over you know, well, the whole season, but especially over the past um, three, to five games. I personally wouldn't want to mess around with it because any of the guys that I can think that would help this team out, I think Carl Lowry is the main guy that you might want to get. A few other names that have been uh, thrown out there for them was potentially Fournier, Terrence Ross, and also PJ Tucker. To be honest, I don't. I wouldn't want to bring. I don't feel like any one of those guys is a piece that you can interchange with the roster that you have at the moment. And you know, let's face it, you obviously have to give up stuff to get something back. So are you really going to mess with the chemistry that you guys finally have um in order to try and fix something that isn't broken? I just I don't believe it should be something that should be done. Um that no. Daryl is the ultimate let's make a move guy, but they're winning. Um I you know I don't see what I personally don't believe they need to do anything um with where they're at.
0: If we were to make a move i would love to see carl lowry play for philly because he's a philly, philly boy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he that, is that like is a perfect philadelphia player he's like
4: yeah. He, yeah. he's like the point guard version of jimmy butler so it's like it's just those kind of guys that you want to have in philly basically so what would you
0: have to give up that is the point and that is going to close out on atlantic so take a short break and then we'll hit up pacific Pacific, and on this pod we reward winning. Now we haven't had a lot of games this week in terms of Pacific, and teams have you know one on one a lot of one on one records is what you're going to see. A team that went one on one this week, but are storming the conference and respect you when it is you know the Suns is blazing baby. They're twenty five and twelve overall. The Phoenix Suns, I think they're second in the West right now. Wally, talk to me.
4: Second in West over the last 27 games, the 21 and 6. Pun intended, are the hottest team in the oh. league, right? I love it. They're fantastic. They're great to it. watch. <laughs> I love it. All right. They, these, yeah, they're fantastic. They're in uh, assists, only second to Golden State, but they're a nine seed, so who cares? Um. <laughs> 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 Um, I think what's so interesting about the about the Suns is they got so many ways that they can beat you. Um, you know, Dario Saric has made a storming comeback. Um, he's been a really big contributing factor to the way that they've been winning recently. Um, That's some nice high low action with uh, Dario Saric and uh, Kaminsky, Frank the Tank, a guy that we were mentioning whilst Dario was still getting his legs back. Uh, so I've been loving the link up with them. Um, Ayton hasn't had a bad year, but I think people and myself included, um, expected him to take much bigger steps with the addition of Chris Paul to the team, but it hasn't quite taken in the way everybody had liked. However, over the past two weeks, it's really been connecting well um, and they've been getting in some really, really easy looks. Um, you know, with a combination of Chris Paul and Devin handling the ball, they've really had to respect both of those guys, um, so it's really allowed them to on the third action within an offense, um, allowed Aten to seal much easier on much smaller defenders um, and catch lobs to score, which has made him so much more confident even in the trickier spots. You yeah, um, know. He caught, he caught a rebound amongst three defenders um, in the last game and put it back up. And instead of kicking it out, which is awesome, obviously, you like to look for a good pass, but it's just nice to see him have that confidence uh, to, to take it and make it. Um, the main thing with them, and I, I've spoken a little bit about this with Philly, but Phoenix, it's on another level. Their ball movement is crazy. You think that they have the best shot they could get, and then they make that one extra pass. And, and it's like Jesus the guy teams are just nowhere near the shot that they're taking. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's been re- really, really good to watch so
0: far. Uh, yeah. yeah, great win against the Blazers. They beat him by six, but that game was was out of hand when Booker really closed it in the fourth, they obviously lose to the Pacers by 11. Um, good, good games off the bench from Saric and Nader. I know you spoke about their offense. I want to talk about their defense. Uh, yeah. the Suns defense is drastically improved. They're actually third in defensive rating and they rank first in opponent's assists per game, which means that they, you know, they average the most assists, but they also give up the least amount of assists. And they're yeah. also first in opponent's three-point percentage at 34%. Mm-hmm. So who have you got to credit for the Stellar Suns defense?
4: The young legs. Um, I mean, they're they're guys, they have a a bunch of slashers on this team. So these are the kind of guys that they always want to be moving. If they're not moving, they don't feel like they're doing anything. I hate to bring it back to offense a little bit, but if their mindset is they're always wanting to move into space, it means that they always want to be moving on defense as well. When they're moving the ball the way that they're moving it, it it shows a level of IQ that they have for the game where the ball might go in any situation, which allows them to see one step ahead. Look, no one has a crystal ball, but you can anticipate certain things. When you're moving the ball as well as they are, it's going to make it so much easier to read the offense of the other team. When they're not moving the ball as well, it's just fact. So that's where the knowledge is coming from. You've got both ends of the floor feeding into one another which is why they've been so successful over the past you know the past 27 games as i mentioned
0: super impressive man let's hope they keep rolling yeah a no, team no, that it. is yeah. right next to them in the standings we're going to head there next uh and as they said on gamer zones i want to play for the lake <laughs> 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 that's my boy yeah, so let's let's head to uh, La La Land. One uh, and this week, twenty five and thirteen, so just one loss less than the Suns. George, uh, are you also blackout on the Lakers? Are you doing this whole LeBron uh, engaging early before the playoffs? Of course, baby. And let's do
1: the maths. Two wins in the East, one win out West. That's three and baby. Three and for House of are <laughs> this week. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah so the Lakers uh had the one Wankers game
0: 3 and 0. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Lakers had uh one game this week uh a great win for them. Um they went up against the Pacers. Final score 105 uh 100. Um I have to credit uh Malcolm Brogdon in that game cuz he he did go off in that game like shooting from three, driving in the lane, and uh scoring that um really under pressure uh layup uh where he just got pushed out to the outside of the basket and it went in. That that was really insane. So yeah Lakers had a tough time stopping him. But uh LeBron showed out in that game and uh what again was showing off his improved uh three-point shooting in that game getting uh, key buckets as well um also i have to shout at Kuz, uh, shout out kuzma for his performance that night um 24 points 13 assists in that game um unfortunately um we did have a little scare in that game uh with caruso when he went down um had a nasty fall and then um his head hit the hardwood like pretty hard. It was one of those falls where your body hits first and then your head, you can just see it, see where where it's going to end before it even happens. Um, So he was diagnosed with a a concussion for that one, I believe. So now he's out um, with day-to-day injuries. Um, On the Lakers side, um, that does add on to... um, a couple of sorry that does add on to their list of like um, day to day questionable questionable players and other players out due to injuries and uh, COVID concerns. So we'll we'll see where it goes going forward. Um, Like as you mentioned last time we spoke about them uh, when Anthony Davis went out um, it depends on where they go from there. Before I said I wasn't really worried because I was thinking uh, LeBron would pick it up and he has shown those performances. But I feel as more and more players kind of pick up those odd injuries here and there, it kind of um, shakes them quite a bit, especially when it comes to game to game as well.
0: Yeah, you wonder what LeBron's going through um, and what he's seeing around the association, you know, seeing players join these other teams. And Jordan, again, I'm going to talk to you about the trade deadline. And there are talks that the Lakers are potentially going after Andre Drummond, if he gets bought out by the Cavs.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you've got both your teams. So you've got a win-win Brooklyn or Lakers. These are the two most likable, desti- uh, likely destinations where would you like drummond to go
1: for my preferences going on pure preferences i would say nets don't
0: you think the nets have got enough huh huh don't you think hey don't you think the teams around the east are just i told you (laughs) i'm
1: trying to build my infinity gauntlet i'm turning into thanos my brother (laughs)
4: He he wants them he wants him to go to Brooklyn so that when Ed picks the Lakers in the playoff draft, he gets Brooklyn on the other end. Right. Well, I don't think Ed's that's, picking that's the it. Lakers. You, also, don't know. you don't know
5: I've got the number one pick secured. I'm worried. I'm genuinely worried.
4: Oh I'm just I'm just loyaling you to full sense of security. Hashtag
5: fade for Wade. Fade for Wade. Fade for K, sorry, fade for K. Wildy's got his fade K. for
0: Wade. Move up. Fade for let's uh let's move on. <laughs> uh, let's move on to another team who's won one on one this week. They are a smidge, a tiny smidge by 500. And that is GS dub. What is happening in the Bay, Lancashire Lambeth? Yeah, the Warriors won on one this week, although they have lost four of their last five.
3: Granted, though for those four defeats are against the Lakers, the Blazers, the Suns and the Clippers. So it's not horrendous, is it? Um, But yeah, this week, uh, interesting one in the defeat against the Clippers, they lost 130 to 104. um, But the main storyline around that game is James Wiseman was benched for missing two COVID tests over the All-Star break. And then Steve Kerr only brought him in in the fourth quarter. However, credit to Wiseman in that fourth quarter, he scored 14 points and seven rebounds and got seven rebounds. So he was Vented his frustration on the court, um, so that was good to see. And then Curry had a bit of an off night, only scoring 14 points and was one for eight from three point range. And then, massive turnaround against the Jazz, um, great win there 131 to 119. In which Rudy Gobert went, Oh my god, He, he got 24 points and 28 rebounds, and gobble gobble. Unbelievable, and the Warriors still managed to win. Credit to Curry, again, much uh, great turnaround versus last game. He scored 32 points, much better from three, six for nine for shooting there. Draymond Green got a triple-double, 11 points, 12 rebounds, 12 assists. And Adrian Wiggins chipped in with 28 points as well. So Warriors, um, really good. They shot 51% from three-point range as well. So excellent performance from them. And the main thing I want to talk about with the Warriors is, and I and touched on it with James Wiseman, is that he started the first sixteen games of the season for the Warriors, and they went eight and eight in those games. However, in the last twelve, in his last twelve appearances, sorry, because he did miss about ten um, games in the middle of February, but in his last twelve appearances, he's only started one, and the Warriors have gone seven and five in that. And, and those and those five defeats are against. Blazers, Lakers, Clippers, Suns, et cetera. So even though from a score, from his personal perspective, his stats pretty much are the same with starting all on the bench, the Warriors do seem to play better and get better results when he's coming off the bench. Wonder if that's going to be a permanent thing or not, but it seems that they've found that balance with him in his rookie season at the moment.
0: Another really interesting take from the Warriors this week is in the Clippers game, Curry shouting at his teammates, which is something I've never seen before from Curry. Uh, he sort of just lost his. Yeah, he was rag. just frustrated. Yeah, lost his rag. Uh, lost his always marbles. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I've never seen him that animated. And you can tell that he was just venting his frustration. Let's talk about Steph Curry. 33rd birthday yesterday, he had a really good game. As you said, Matt, what is your favourite moment of all time? of Steph Curry. Um, the one that stands out for me
3: probably is the game against OKC mm. where he break well at the time doesn't he ties the three point um, in the game record with 12. And then he obviously gets mm. that huge. It's not quite a buzzer. It's not quite about like the tenth of the second but he he like from what like just inside uh the half he <laughs> just he launches it, up, yeah. it he just launches it and it goes in and the thing is with steph is that he's hit that many buzzer beaters and that many half court shots etc over his career but i think that one and with the fact the game as well it's against okc of duran Ibaka, and westbrook it's it's just it's just a it's just a great game that just sums him up as a player and the moments of magic as
0: well so many good moments i'm sure everybody's got
5: their own i I was at pre-drinks uh for that game when i was in the us and when that three went in the whole place just went absolutely berserk because that game he was just unconscious and that shot was just and, and that was his unanimous year i believe so it was just this is ridiculous like how is this guy doing this
0: yeah my my favorite one is the dribbling on the clippers and he turns around he turns around and steve kerr is like no it's such a bad shot why are you taking that then it goes in he's just turns away like laughing Crazy.
2: Well, if you hear the um i can't remember who on the clippers i think it might have been reddick that talked about it because there was four of them stood around him and he was saying like like you know, like I wasn't worried about DM him up because he dribbled the ball towards CP three, and CP three gets that ball like every single time. And for some reason, Curry's managed to do something that's just thrown him off, and he can't get it. And it's like, like, like what? You what do you even do? Like,
0: nuts, nuts. Yeah, praise, praise, Chef Curry, man, greatest year of all time. Let's let's move it along let's head to another team in california and that is in Sacktown, town where we're looking at the kings they went another team who went one and one this week uh 15 23 overall bray take it away
2: yeah um you know we've already talked about the sun's done really well they got a massive win over the lakers and uh, the kings did too (laughs) but when they beat the lakers lebron wasn't playing and neither was ad so um yeah. <laughs> big big congrats to them. It's a win. They're three and seven in the last ten, um, which is only better than the Rockets and the Timberwolves. Surprise, surprise in the conference. And um, yeah. I wonder, people, I wonder who has those
0: teams. <laughs>
2: um, so yeah, basically, like I I don't like to be negative, but like they just really don't leave much like they're 15 and 23 and unfortunately like obviously if you were if you're a Kings fan you're optimistic the beat the Lakers is great you got to resign to the fact you're a bottom 5 team in the league and like we, there's this big conversation about which teams are buyers and sellers who's making a move to move themselves up and like i think the Kings front office for most of the year have been killing themselves going we're like a piece away from getting in the playoffs you're not you're not a piece away. You're not one piece away from 10th. That is just not even accurate. It's unbelievable. Like they're insanely inconsistent. They they take one step forward and then two steps back. Like it's just absolutely bizarre. They've got no cultural identity. I've said it before. I I'm disappointed. I think they need to, as I've said before, I think they need to blow it up.
0: so yeah the, the kings i have some metrics at the moment which they are they're not doing too well in um but well they have been improving at the moment so in the last last month in february they were ninth in field goal percentage they were ninth in free throw rate and they were seventh in turnover percentage which one of these metrics coming from just back to basics before we talk about cultural identity and blowing everything up which one of those is the best bet for the kings potentially to make a push into the playoffs none,
2: none of those matter because guess what they can't defend they can't defend it's fine everyone can score in the league everyone can score efficiently they've got some absolute guns on the team they can't defend marvin bagley is such a bad defender it's not even funny he's like this he's like the second worst defender to trey young it's unbelievable like this dude is like how tall is he he's almost seven foot tall and he's just really bad it's a shame like because they've got they've got pieces on their roster like for example when bagley plays with rashawn holmes they're fine because rashawn holmes is a good defender but when they don't play together it's terrible it's like oh my god like They've got, okay, I've been really negative. They have got good pieces on this team. They've got Tyrese Halliburton. He's 21. Fantastic. Bagley is only 22, so he's got time to change. You know, I don't think there are very many people left on Bagley Island. I'm, I've am i left. I'm done. Um, the Aaron Fox is 23. The Aaron Fox is, is good. He's really good. Yeah. And he is currently floundering, I think, a bit on a team where he hasn't got loads of help. I think he could be a really, really good guy. They've got Carl Guy, who uh, we've seen flashes Miss, from. He's a rotation Mr. player.
0: Mister TK Generic.
2: He's fine. He's <laughs> like he's like a, a legit tenth man. He's fine. Um, they've got um, they've got Jabari Parker, who's twenty five. They've got Rashawn Holmes, who I do really like. He's twenty seven. And then after that, they've got a load of kind of older guys. So it's like they need to get rid of those middling guys get some get some picks so they can retool with young players to pair with the likes of Fox and Halliburton, maybe Bagley if you like him enough, and then get some some old guys to kind of mentor them through as well.
0: King's fans, it's not your players, you need to fire the head coach. That's what we're basically saying. Okay get luke walton out of there that's the first move we're gonna make and get vladi out there as well Vladi just sounds like
1: oprey is selling all his stocks and everything
0: yeah, but nobody's <laughs> buying it that's not what yeah. we do on, on Sixth man you can't be selling it let's head to the last team in this division the los angeles clippers who have sort of been outshone by the phoenix suns and they have dropped to fourth in the west they have slipped down they're one they're also one and one this week everybody's one and one How's finishes off? Talk to me. Uh,
5: Clippers. Um, so it, it has been a bit disappointing from where from where we last spoke. So initially when we spoke, Clippers were 22 and 10, which is a very, very nice record. Now they're 20, 25 and 15. So they haven't, they haven't been doing too well and they've had a lot of really tough losses. So before the All-Star break, they had some losses against the Bucks, Celtics and the Wizards. Um, which again really disappointing and then after the so then the conversation with the narrative became you know what it's good that we've got the all-star break now we've got a couple of players who can again be 100 fully healthy and just we can start again after the all-star break so first game went pretty well they blew up the warriors by 26 points they were up by 36 points to end the third quarter which is very lovely and then we get to last night when they played the pelicans which they lost by 20 points which And that's all good. The Clippers can't seem to get any easy buckets. And a lot of Paul George's game is on the three point or in the mid range, Kawhi Lennon, we all know he's a mid range killer, but they've got no one down that can sort of drive to the rim or is a post presence. And I was having a bit more of a look into it and I did some advanced number crunching as I like to do at times. So I was looking at shots attempted in the paint. There are no clippers players in the top of uh, there's one Clipper player in the top 100 which is Zubak at like 96 and he takes four attempts a game in the paint which is not that good and then you get to pg and kwai who are like 3.8 3.9 which is about 101 and 103 in the league which is really really disappointing and also looking at how much how much shots overall the clippers attempt within uh less than five feet only orlando magic take less than less than they do within five feet which is again not very good so that's where i missed our okay, that seems to be the biggest error in terms of offensively driving to the rim and getting buckets by the rim then defensively they're not as good as people anticipate part of it is because patrick beverly is out and something i mentioned previously when patrick beverly is out guards just go off against them they had 20 point 30 point games by guards who aren't necessarily that good but they get points against their guards when reggie jackson is a starter i mean he's maybe just overqualified to be a starter there's nothing wrong with that now patrick beverly is also injured so he's going to be out for the next three or four games as well lonzo ball yesterday for the pelicans actually had like 20 or 20 points against the clippers five threes bit disappointing if you're the Clippers. Lonzo Ball shouldn't be scoring that well against you when we all know his struggles that he's had shooting, although it has improved this year. So that's where I'm at with the Clippers. Um, Yeah. I guess we'll have to see the playoffs, but I'm not too optimistic, considering what they've shown put on tape so far. Do you think the Clippers could enjoy, uh, blow
0: it up next year if, if they don't meet their goals? Oof, I was just thinking so, about this.
5: Oof. So from my understanding, is when Kawhi and PG signed their contract, it was like a two-year deal, so they had a little bit of flexibility. And it's now two years, so I'm not sure exactly because I haven't looked this up. I'm not sure exactly how the contracts work because at the end of the day, they don't really care what happens to Clippers after the season because they're not on my team. Apart from what we're doing here, how you doing, Lakers? Um, so uh I'm not sure what the approach they would take because if Kawhi and pg do leave and decide not to sign an extension where would they go to what would be the steps thereafter i feel like they've sort of committed to this and especially the organization have committed to this because we all know what their sort of assets that they've given up to acquire pg so that's the other thing to look at and yeah
0: i, I think Kawhi is like i don't want to play with pg i i just think that if it doesn't work out i think pg's gone yeah, um and I think Kawhi wants to stay in LA cuz that's obviously where he's from. So I think he made that pretty clear. He's won championships, so maybe it's not a sense of blowing it up, but I think there's going to be major changes. And let's be honest, I don't see them winning the chip this year anyway. Let's talk about the Clippers in the clutch just quickly, Ed. So yes, the Clippers yes, yes. are last in overall field goal percentage. Nineteenth in offensive rating overall, and then you're last in net rating as well. I think you alluded to it before, but why are they so bad in crunch
5: time? Part of it you could say maybe they don't have a floor general who who is a great decision maker when they need to be. We all know Patrick Beverly's strength comes in defensive end, may not be necessarily in the offensive end with regards to distribution. Maybe that's where they're going. Maybe it's because they don't necessarily have a post presence who they could drop it down to and can get an easy bucket. Um they've also got the worst net rating in the clutch as well at minus 26 and to put it into context second is pistons with minus 18 and third is the timberwolves at minus 17 so it goes from minus 26 18 17 which is yikes Yikes.
0: Um, (laughs) just like an open bottle of coca-cola flat that's what it is clippers flat let's head to the lead okay so from bottom to top it's all break. staying the same baby 93 wins hundred and fifty-five losses that is a, that's a bad record um yeah
2: then it was last week
0: yeah it, yeah at least <laughs> oh, it's small it's wins long. small wins small wins uh you're at 40 uh your best team are the miami heat yeah 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 mm. <laughs> sorry Chicago fans uh, and your worst team uh, Minnesota team will still haven't won 10 games yet yikes Lancashire Lambir it was really close and we've dropped off you at 104 wins 122 losses you're now at 46% your best team uh, Denver your worst team the Wizards uh, oh actually the Cavaliers by one loss oh. Wildy there's a little there's a little bit of breathing room here you know you're comfortable you're comfortably into the 500 club. so well done to you sir Uh, 118 wins 111 losses the philly cheesesteak sandwich is back baby it's back uh yes and then second place house of o3 retaining his position Ah, oh my lord okay it's really close 122 wins and 99 losses at 55 percent Your best team is the Brooklyn Nets, who have two more wins than the Lakers. And your worst team is the Pelicans at 15 and 21, which is not bad. But this lead has shrunk because House Vasquez, who's been sitting on top of this throne for so long, has 129 wins and 100 losses. He is at 56%. So there is 1% separating the top two. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you can't see him right now, but Jordan is really week.
5: excited. Really
0: excited. Yeah,
5: he you did call really it. Tell. So
0: we, we might have change next
5: week. Can I say, Wildy? You should you should you should take a quote from Mourinho. You should be looking up, not down, because you're closer to me than you are to Matt.
4: Yeah, man. I'm uh, I'm very happy with where I'm at right now. But, uh,
5: and well, can, two things to consider. One, Orlando are now probably going to be actively tanking this team is going to look a lot different when we next speak after the deadline two nicks have got one of the hardest schedules in the league coming up they had a very they had a, a, a favorable schedule first half of the year they got a Sorry very to tough spurs. schedule coming up
4: spurs and Knicks have two, two toughest schedules coming up mm.
0: so yeah dude you're
2: totally going to play as well
0: Okay, well, we're going to check in with this next week because House Lasky might be toppled by House of O3 with your super team of teams. The Lakers of the Nets. Nice pump, We like it. Yeah, so that wraps it up for the sick man from this division discussions. Um, we are going to take a quick break and then we're going to head to our extra stuff. What is up sick man extra. We're back. Um, and just like Anderson Packer, Bruno Mars, we've left the door open and we are welcoming you to another segment of Shoot Your Shot. First matchup, we have Lancashire Lambir, V, Mr. Blackout, House of O3, image attached here. This will be
5: decided by House Lasky. So, Ed, take it away. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to refrain to have a similar situation as we did last time, which caused a lot of controversy. So let's ask this question instead. Um, so as we start the second half of the season, which team outside the playoff spots, this includes the playing tournament, will make the playoffs? Three, two, one, go.
3: So the team, I believe, which could make a playoff run uh, that is currently outside of the spots is a team that I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with. And that is the Washington Wizards. They are currently sat in 12th place in the Eastern Conference, 14 and 23. They're three games behind the playoffs, uh, the play-in spots. First of all, they've got the lead, the league-leading scorer in points per game with Bradley Beal, and then they've obviously got the former MVP in Russell Westbrook, who is just shy of averaging that triple-double in the season, which he usually does. In fact, he even leads the NBA for uh, with 11 for triple-doubles. They've been much improved of late. So over the course of the season... They're 37% won their games at home and 38% on the road. That's now improved to 50% in their last 10, both away and at home. So they're playing to that, even 500, which probably looks like you're getting a playing spot. And also, they've had a hard schedule at the start of the season, and they've got a much easier schedule going forwards. And I didn't get to cover my point as I see you counting down. Cool.
5: JW, your time starts in three, two, one. Okay, so
1: contrary to uh, Matt's East selection, I have gone out West and I have got to go for House of O3's home team, NOLA! OK, so uh, the reason why I selected them, obviously, we've got Zion Williamson, who's absolutely balling out right now. Uh, he's averaging 25 points and helping lead this team to a lot of their victories a key player. Uh, as well as this, they've got Brandon Ingram, uh, the current and reigning most improved player, and he's still putting on those performances. Um On top of that, even though this team has been struggling and they are currently going into one of the toughest parts of the schedule, uh, going into a couple of back-to-backs against Portland, um, and the defence is struggling, I think uh, they can turn it around at at any point now. uh, And now that the coach is starting to focus...
5: Of course, so... We've got, it's nice that we've got one team from the East, one team from the West. Uh, neither one of you sort of mentioned the teams that you can overtake, which I thought would have been a good point to mention. You did both speak about how you how either one of those teams have got easier schedule coming up. Um, but I think the one thing that uh, that swayed it was again, the fact that the team I'm going to select is going to be in the East. And I think the Wizards have a more likely chance to make it out the East than the Pelicans do out the West. Sorry, George. I can't oh, see his well, reaction, well. so I don't know, So I'm gonna anticipate. I think that's
3: justice just finally for that Kobe uh habit. so yeah, this isn't I'll a makeup
5: up I made the right decision last time and I made you not, the right decision.
1: This my table. Time.
0: <laughs> well um, yeah, the, the blackout is obviously not working, George. So next week, come with a camera. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's go to the second matchup. And wow I'm going up against uh, Salt Gray, so Absolutely why don't you take are. it away? We're bringing in the
4: sledgehammer. Alex is in the game. So <laughs> my question for the pair of you guys, uh um, well, is having a MVP caliber type season, um, but has yet again suffered an injury, which looks to put him out for about two weeks. So with that sort of theme, what I want to know from you guys is, who do you feel is the greatest what if player uh, of all time. So yeah, people have been riddled by injury, um, that if they weren't derailed by injury, you know, they would have had the best career. And um, so, let's decide this, who's gonna go first? Uh, I'm gonna go Bray first, and then I'll hear from Mr. Ward. And so you guys, I'll just have a minute. I'm gonna set my timer up. Mr. Bray, in three,
2: Right, so I'm going to be a homer for this one. Um, I'm going for the boy. I'm going for Derek. Derek Rose, rookie of the year, 2008, um, comes in, drags the Bulls to the playoffs, goes 26 and 5 in seven games versus the Celtics. The next year, drags the Bulls to the playoffs. It's his first matchup against LeBron. He's an all star, third season, the youngest MVP ever. The Bulls go 62 and 20. Eastern Conference Finals versus the Heat, it's the big matchups, the Bulls, LeBron, Derek. Next season, uh Tez's ACL um is out for a whole year. Comes back, Tez's MCL. Um, the team is still doing really well, and it's just it's just what could they have been? They were the LeBron killer. He averaged 20 25 and 8 as an MVP. His next best is twenty is 18 and five as a member of the 20 and 46 Pistons. Um, he could have been the LeBron counter,
1: and it never happened. Saved so, all my thoughts till
4: the end.
1: <laughs> I don't know what's so funny—the way you broke down, Torresosi <laughs> ACL. and then he uh,
2: tore his ACL. I can't spend too long talking about it. It's too. Much. I know, <laughs> you know, It's like
0: everything
1: was so loud, and then yeah. It was just the switch up. <laughs> Like <laughs> even Alex could keep a straight
0: face. Oh, too much, man. <laughs> too much.
4: All right. Mr. Right.
2: And
0: three, two, one. My pick is Grant Hill. Grant Hill, 17 points per game, seven rebounds, five assists at Duke, and won the a national championship two times. Sorry, Fab Five. He was drafted third overall by the 94 Pistons in uh, 94 by the Pistons. He won co rookie of the year in ninety five. Averaging twenty points per game, six point five rebounds, and five assists. All of this, and he didn't have a jump shot. And you're thinking, how did he make it through? He's got high. He's a high basketball uh, IQ player, and he makes the right plays to make his team better. He took the Pistons to the playoffs four four years out of the six um, that he was there. In 2000, where it all changed, when he was on the Magic, and he had the ankle injury, where he was with superstar T-Mac, Rookie of the Year Mike Miller and head coach Doc Rivers. The Magic with the APC and without Grant Hill actually lost to the Pistons, who went to the Eastern Conference Finals in seven games. Imagine if they had Grant Hill.
4: Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting how both of your guys were athletic dudes that uh, weren't natural shooters. Derek Rose has got a lot better from that point of view, but that was kind of a wrap on him. He relied a lot on his analysis to get to the rim. Um, definitely like both of your arguments. Um just just as a side note, that whole Grant Hill thing, if you guys have ever seen Open Court, it's where they have like all the like old guys talking about what ifs and stuff like that. And Grant Hill was sort of was on that panel in that one, and everyone was like, Bro, you were kind of like a preempt to LeBron James in terms of his style of play. So it kind of shows what the respect his peers had for him as well. Um, yeah, that's really, really tough. Um I wouldn't say go so far as raise a LeBron killer.
2: <laughs> well, but then like so LeBron has absolutely dominated. He could have been he could have been the only guy to beat LeBron in the run. He had yeah. the arguably, if he doesn't get injured, he has the best chance of anyone. Other than I that, agree. you're looking at in second in that list is DeMar de Rosen and Carl Lowry. So, uh, Paul George, you got to put some respect on Paul George's name in the places. Yeah, there? but they, uh, actually, he did get he got when he got injured, then he broke, broke his leg. So, fair enough. Yeah.
4: Uh, yeah, no, uh, but okay. So, on this, I am going to go with Grant Hill. Damn it. <laughs> that was two very good alignments, but Grant Hill to me i thought i had a high ceiling um yeah that was my that would be my pick um, right um like H-
0: could the line to win the series when derek rose went out that's what just oh. happened baby oh yeah Ice in my veins
2: every time he tortures me because we watched the game together when Derek Rose got injured. And then he was chatting so much shit when Philly won the next series. They didn't even say a word for like eight years when they were terrible.
0: <laughs> well, I still got it. I still got it. Thank you, Wildy. Check will be in the post man. <laughs> All right. Okay. So wins for me and Matt. Let's head to... Our, I wouldn't say it's a new segment. It's mainly to assess this mid-season awards. So what's gonna happen is we have six major categories. Each of of us will be heading one category. uh, And once that person has explained while they're picking their pick, the the others will talk about a brief uh, synopsis of who they're picking. uh, And that's how we'll go through it. So the first category that we have is coach of the year. And we start with Saltbury. So who are you picking?
2: Yeah, so um, in... When I was having to think about this, I eventually narrowed it down um, to three guys. Um, so the first, Doc Rivers over in Philly, the second, Quinn Snyder in uh, Utah, and the third, the boy, Tom Thibodeau in New York. Um, and the reason that I these guys are kind of the top three in my eyes is that they haven't had any massive notable additions over the offseason. They didn't have James Harden come to the team They didn't. They they don't have AD and LeBron, and you know it's kind of like to make a championship team better. Um, You know they they basically taken pretty much the same team as it was last year and done so much better. So to give you an example, um, Doc Rivers is taking um, what last year's Philadelphia team would have been around a forty-eight win team in any given season. This year they're on track to win fifty-seven. Um, last year, the Jazz were on track to win 50. This year, they're on track to win 60, which is no mean feat. And the last year, the, um, the Knicks were on track to win 26 games out of 82. This year, they're on track to win 42. That is an insane increase. Yeah. Um, obviously, in large part, due to their one all-star, Julius Randle, but the fact they only have one and not three, like the Jazz or um, to like the, uh, the the Sixers, I think Tibbs is going to get it. Um, for me, just stalling that defensive culture in a league that this year is all about scoring, and he's been the only guy in my eyes to properly zag, and he's doing a fantastic job with a lot less talent than everyone
0: else. Let's go around the room and say who we have. I I will start um, my. My vote is Monty Williams.
5: That is my coach of the year. Uh, For me, it would be Quinn Snyder just because of how well Utah have been doing in playing as a team. Although, shout out Coach Tibbs because we know he's a guru for defence. And when you look at the players on the Knicks, you won't necessarily think defence.
3: I think I'll side with Brown on this one. I really like the Knicks argument and how much they've improved.
1: I have to agree with Ed and I'm going to go for Quinn (laughs) Snyder. Cool. (laughs) So, I
4: also had Monty Williams in mind, um, but I must say, I do think Bray's actually swayed me with his argument about not having any big, big offseason season uh, acquisitions. Um, so, I had Monty Williams in mind, um, but honestly, no, I, I love the Tibbs argument. Um, uh, just a little bit little shout out uh, to Steve Nash as well. I know he's only first year, but he's got a lot of guys to handle on that team. They have an amazing record uh, for first year. He's, he's fantastic. I don't think he'll get it because they'll want him to prove himself more than once. Um, but I just think that uh, he got a lot of slack for getting that job. And uh, I think he's done very well for himself there. But um, I like Tipper.
2: Yeah, just to- I- <laughs> where you guys are coming from on uh, the Monday front. He was good. I was going to talk about four guys and I had to take him off because of the Chris Paul effect. Because from year to year, they didn't have Chris Paul, now they do have Chris Paul. And Chris Paul is like you saw what he did with that OKC team who shouldn't have been in the playoffs and yet they were. Like, I think you do, I think that it's more to do with Chris than it is with is Monty. Um, not to diminish him, he's obviously a very good coach, yeah,
5: exactly. To put a bow in it, I, I was just having a look at the Vegas odds. And uh the out and out favorite is Quinn Snyder in Vegas, second is Monty, and third is Doc Rivers. Tom Thibodeau is 10th for betting odds. About coaches about,
0: are,
5: coaches yeah. above him include Brad Stevens and Taylor Jenkins from Memphis as what? well, as well as Steve Nash and Frank Vogel. This is and the 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 odds were updated March the 8th. So this is just before the all-star break. So, I'm
2: not surprised get some money on Tibbs. The only thing that might, obviously, we talked about the record before. uh, uh, Sorry, the schedule. Schedule. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, Bray, I didn't even think about Tibbs. That was really good. And Tibbs actually won the majority. Let's head to rookie of the year. Um, So, Matt, Matt, talk about your favorite freshman. Yes, so who, who my pick
3: for rookie of the year is Lamelo Ball. He leads with points per game. He also leads rookies with rebounds, six point one per game, assists six point four, and he leads in steals as well. In addition to that, he's had one triple double and recorded seven double doubles, and he's transformed a Hornets team really well. They're actually really within this playoff picture now, and. Uh, before he was a so for the first um, 20 games of the season, he didn't start for the Hornets. And in those games, the Hornets were nine wins and 11 losses. Since he's become a starter, they've won 10 and lost seven. So the stats point to it, both from his own personal accolades and from the impact on the team. Uh, my choice is Lamella Ball, but also shout out to Anthony Edwards, Halliburton quickly as well, and Wiseman. There's a there's a nice little bunch of rookies but Mm. Lamello is the standout candidate
0: credit where credit's due i'm also going with Lamello killing it this year that's my pick
5: yep Mello.
2: i agree i do want to give a shout out to my man pat well though who's actually been really good um and could turn out to be one of the better players to drop
1: Lamello ball of course standard (laughs) like the brothers going all out easy pick for me I'm sad
4: to say there's no case for Nyoko If you, one of the first uh, shoot shots we did, uh, we were predicting rookie of the year. I went with Lamello then, um, and I have no reason to jump off the train now.
0: It's Lamello. That is a sweep. That is all six. Well done, guys. All right. Speaking of six, let's head to six man of the year.
5: And Ed, you've got this question yes lovely i finally get to talk about jordan clarkson uh so when we talk about sixth man um it does tend to be who is the best scorer off the bench it's not much more of it's not really a defensive award or like who gets the most assists on the bench it does tend to be when you ask most coaches it's who can provide you some scoring off the bench and i mean uh jordan clarkson is first off the bench scoring 18 points he's first and three points off the bench as well he makes three a game He's first in field goal percentage as well 97 percent which is amazing for from the field goal line as well uh and this is of players who attempt at least one field goal a game off the bench he's ninth in steals which is decent and he's got the seventh best plus minus off the bench now seventh might not necessarily sound impressive but it, there is only one other player in that list who is a non-Spurs or Suns player because Spurs and Suns have got the best uh, best bench unit uh, in terms of plus-minus. So it's really impressive for the position he's in. So my pick is Jordan Clarkson. The next the next closest Vegas odds is they've got uh, Gordon and Boucher as well as Ross and Dragic, but it is Clarkson's for the taking.
0: I am agreeing with this. After seeing Jordan Clarkson light us up for 40, um, can't really say no to that, boy. Yeah, I'll, I'll do Clarkson. it.
2: I'm gonna hazard a guess that the person with the with the better plus minus than Jordan Clarkson is my pick. I think it's that Young. Uh Another Homer pick for me.
5: Is that right, Ed?
2: Do you know if it's right?
5: So, I didn't write down who the Suns or the Spurs players were. I did jot down that the only non-Suns or Spurs player was. The Anthony Melton from the Grizzlies. Oh, uh, yeah, but, well, yeah.
2: I actually think Bear. that has been, he, it's, he obviously hasn't been scoring it like Clarkson, but he just does all the other stuff and the posts are much better with him on the floor.
3: Yeah, I'm going to side with Ed on this one. I think Jordan Clarkson really is uh, one of those players who's helped Utah be the team they are this season.
1: Yeah, me too. I'm going Jordan Clarkson. Um, again, I think he's just been a huge contribution uh to the utah jazz and i feel uh, especially like after the um what feels like years ago now the traditional like laker rookie core kind of like branched out it's nice to see them getting back into the spotlight a bit again yeah yeah um it'd
4: be awesome to try and zag here but to be honest, it's it's Jordan Clarkson. I think a lot of the league is so, it's in, a, it's in a strange place in the sense that the league is very top heavy. So a lot of teams have a really good starting five, yeah. where and then the benches aren't quite as deep. Which, but then obviously you have Suns and Spurs um, that have really good benches, but they don't have kind of like a one standout. So yeah, it's Jordan Clarkson. To the point where he he's, could potentially be in the most improved player, Conversation as well. Just saying, I no one, no one thought he was going to do this. Where you? No one was like, Clarkson? oh, you know, they was throwing so he'd
0: gone off bench. Yeah, forty <laughs> on your <laughs> head, on your head. Most improved player of the year. Nice transition. While you was saying that, Clarkson might might be featured in that list. This category. Who are you going for?
1: So for this one, um, there was quite a few names out there. I was uh, toying with Julius Randall for a while as well. But I think in the end, I came to the decision to go with Jeremy Grant. Um, I think like looking, even looking at the numbers he's putting up, you can see um, he's putting the definition of most improved play- player like right up there um so in 1920 um season he was averaging 12 points three rebounds one assist and uh 75 percent uh from the free throw line uh this season he's averaging 23 uh 23 24 points per game six rebounds uh almost three assists and 86 percent from the free throw so he's essentially doubled his nearly doubled his output this season and that's why um being thrust especially being thrust into like being almost the best player on the Pistons roster uh so that's why I'm choosing him as the most improved player
0: first time I'm disagreeing with the head coaches are up in points, assists and rebounds. He's also shooting better from the field from free and 3 throw. And most importantly, the Knicks are in the playoff picture, which is something that nobody saw happening. So I'm picking Randall. Uh,
5: I do think this is a lot closer. Randall initially was my pick, but then again, with six man, it does seem to be more a scoring thing. And Grant is averaging ten more points than he was last year, and he is doing it a little bit of a better clip. So I think Jeremy Grant could potentially be the winner.
2: Twenty wins is a lot more than ten wins. It's got to be Julius Randall.
3: Yeah, I really like the um, points with the stats on Grant, but I'm siding with Randall based off the fact that he's all star for the first time and that um, the Knicks are in the playoff picture again.
4: Uh, I like Colin Sexton um, as most Mm -hmm. improved because uh, I know that we're obviously talking about record, Julius Randall having a really nice year. Sexton's scoring um, is up four points. His assists have improved. They had a really good start to the year um, and Cavaliers have just kind of done a bunch of weird stuff in the front office, so their sort of drop-off I can't really put down to him to be honest. Um, And the gaps from you know, eight eight to 15 isn't that big within the east so you know not not everything is concluded um i just think in a weird situation he's done well to continue to grow as an individual player um and do well um I, yeah entire like. conversation
0: an ultimate category lies in my court um with my pick everyone's going to think oh alex well, you're being a homer because i'm picking the fresh prince to philly. Uh, ben Simmons, but I'm going to give you reasons why. Simmons is second in the league in deflections at 3.9, and he's first in loose ball recovers recovered. Now, I'm thinking from a defensive standpoint, what would you do in order to stand out? You'd need to have good games against some of the best players in the league. So within a zone, uh, which he had a comeback win against the Pacers, he has four steals and two blocks against R.J. Barrett, Four points, one of eight shooting against Lillard. He held him to 10 points, three of nine shooting. He also had a still and a block against him. His most impressive performance was against Luka Doncic, who had six points, three of seven shooting and four turnovers. And Simmons had two stills and a block against Luka. And I think for me, why picking Simmons is that any time a star is not guarded by Simmons, the player is way more active and aggressive. He does a great job without fouling and staying active. He only averages three fouls per game. He's got strength and quickness, and he can guard one through five because the game prior to guarding Luca, he guarded Rudy Gobert. And to top it off, the Sixers have the second best defense in the league. That is why I'm picking Ben Simmons. Outside of that, Rudy Gobert, he's also a strong candidate. I would happily, happily have him up there as well. Uh, and Miles Turner, just for the number of blocks that he has, he has at the moment, that's so I'm picking.
5: I am going for Utah's very own Rudy Gobert. We all know Alex is passionate about uh, Simmons. and He had a quite, a, quite a few things to back him up there, especially it's not just the stats, but I test as well. I'm going for Rudy Gobert just because that whole defense is based around him and he is just so impactful for Utah and what they do on the defensive end. I,
2: I think I can. I could play defense on that jazz team if I have Rudy Gobert behind
3: me. So I'm gonna go with, uh, with, with with the style tower. I'd have to agree as well. Um Rudy Gobert's been one of the reasons why the Jazz are at the top of the West, and he definitely deserved that all-star spot as much as some people didn't like seeing him in the game.
1: For me, uh again, this is a tough one. Um Ben Simmons, like he said, Alex, like that is a crazy shout, and I feel like he is also a deserved winner, but I think um, again, I'm going to have to go with Rudy Gobert with this one.
4: Um, I'm I'm going with Ben Simmons as well. Um, the one through five uh, is what puts him over the edge for me. Um, NBA is moving closer and closer to positionless basketball uh, as we go, and I wouldn't feel comfortable with Rudy Gobert guarding the point guard, um, whereas Ben can, can do everything. Uh, but again it's no disrespect it's talking about the best defenders in the world. So you gotta you gotta gotta pick one. Ben's my one. All right, well close that out for us. Absolutely, man. Yeah, so most valuable player. Um this is in a lot of ways the MVP is a lot of the time just turn comes down to narrative um and popularity contests because there's more more and more talent in the league every year and guys high performing at a high level. Um and if you compare MVP campaign seasons to each person every year, you can make a case for at least two, if not three guys every year. And you feel like there's a snub. So at the moment we have Joel Embiid who had he not just gone down with a left knee injury, um for me was the clear favourite. Um, I think that um you know he he can get Bucket better than anybody um, on the uh, MVP potential list. I think the Joker is just as good as he is there. So Let me give you my list first. I've got Embiid, Joker, Yanis has to be on it. Um, sorry, he's too good. Can't not mention him. Um, Luca at the beginning of the season was a potential favourite, but I just don't think that they're record is going to end up good enough, um, even though they have started to go on a run, and on are now three games above 500, which is incredible considering the start they had. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know you have uh, LeBron. Um, so, Embiid uh, also had the big game against the Jazz, so whenever they come up against somebody else who's, you know, the their head team on the West, Embiid um, hits that buzzer to put them into OT and they end up winning it. It's nice to have that sort of pinnacle moment um, to point to um, when you're trying to decide the, the ultimate MVP guy. Um, LeBron is having actually one of, one of his worst statistical seasons, which is still an amazing season. But for him, you know, in seems where he hasn't won it. they are guys just outplaying him, unfortunately. So I think LeBron still might finish I think with Giannis playing the way he is for the third straight season, the feeling is that he's not going to win three in a row. So I feel like the playoff stuff is dragging into not just Giannis not getting it, but as much as LeBron getting it. What I mean by that is LeBron is so good in the postseason that it's affecting the regular season award. Uh, right or wrong, it's just the way it you know it may go. Um, for me, I'm going with um, Embiid if I have to pick. Um, so Embiid is my pick because um, I think he you know, can come back um, and yeah, still do what he does but there's a lot of names on there I don't think there's a right or wrong answer if I want it
0: OK, okay. This, this is very difficult for me um, but I'm not going to pick Embiid uh, the reason I'm not picking Embiid is because because it's so close with everybody uh, I feel like two or three weeks off could be detrimental to that and especially with him having this hyper extension, the Sixers should, if you're listening, should be cautious because it's gonna hurt us in the long run. So yeah. don't play him, be careful around that. We need him to, we need him in the playoffs because you know how important he is. I am yeah. going with the Joker uh, for what he does. Like you said, Embiid and him are very similar players and the impact that they have. Uh, and jokic is one of the probably he might be the best passing big man of all time he is ridiculous um so i'm picking the joker uh
5: so i'm just looking at the biggest odds and the top three are uh, so it is generally the top three of Embiid, lebron and jokic then there's a drop off after that um i'm in the lebron camp part of it is now he's the, AD's injured and Embiid has got a bit of uncertainty and Denver underperforming in a regular season compared to where they were last year, but, Embiid, but Joker still missed the sort code. Uh, so I'm going for LeBron.
2: Left field here, they've got the same record as the Nuggets. Um, I'm going with Dame because Joker's had Juve Omari, uh, Dame has not had CJ. That team should not be 22 and 16 right now. If they can keep it up, he's in with a massive shout. Um, and I'd also, and I, like, and it all obviously this all comes down to the second half of the season. I'd like to give uh, um, a little bit of recognition for Chris Paul as well, because that Suns team is streaking.
3: Um, as much as I've been bigging up Jokic throughout the season, I'm actually going to join Ed and go for LeBron purely because I think Jokic and Embiid have been the two who've been MVPs up to now. However, this is the mid-season awards and the second half of the season still is important to play. And I can just see LeBron kicking on and really taking the Lakers. And then obviously i made the point off the playoffs as well. So, yeah, I'm going to go for LeBron, but just ahead of Jokic, who I think, would deserve it as well.
1: Again, for me, this is also going to be a difficult decision. Um, in my mind, again, I've had, like, um, Antetokounmpo, Tecumpo, LeBron James, um, Harden popped in there every now and then. But I think, for me, um, again, I'm going to have to agree with the salt and go for Lillard. Like, I definitely, I, I think he's out there. Like, the stuff he does for, for the Blazers team and the loyalty and leadership which he's had over there and i feel like that recognition kind of goes under the radar a lot of the time but even the performances he's doing he's really dragging us up uh, especially with mccullum out and everything so i yeah i've got to give it to him
5: no, no one's spoken about Harden. I reckon Harden maybe in the late shout, although it is a bit of a weird yeah. circumstance. I know Bray doesn't like the idea considering what he did to his Houston team, but I reckon Harden mm-hmm. is doing really well on the nets and could get some consideration. Definitely.
0: There's so many candidates. It's really going to be interesting to see. Um, yeah, all great picks. I think so, just to wrap it out, and obviously majority coach of the year, is we, we're going with Tibbs. Rookie of the year, we've got a clean sweep from Lamello. Sick man, we're going with Clarkson. Most improved, Julius, just. Uh, Defensive player of the year, we're going with Rudy Gobert, Stifle Tower. And most valuable, we've actually got split between LeBron and Dane. Uh, Definitely the most competitive arguments for most uh, MVP, but to be honest, I love to see that. Lots of storylines still to come. So that's going to wrap it up for us on the 6th.